Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined by a special guest, Gavin Chasson of Recruits uh, Scouting out of Sudbury, Ontario. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to have you back on the show. Uh, as we spoke about it off air before we started, uh, it's a failure on my part that you haven't been here more often. Well, that's all right. I, I've... You know, I think everyone's kind of getting into busy schedules lately. So um, with a crazy year, it's hard. It's hard to get set up and get on to a show and just happy to get on when I can, really. You're always welcome with us. Uh, we we appreciate your point of view and the, the work you and your team put in on putting together your draft lists. Uh, can you give us an idea? before we get started into the real nitty gritty of what you and your team do to put your list together. Yeah, mostly like we have um, certain guys and girls covering regions. Uh, so I'll often send out a big like watch list, like the watch list gets bigger and bigger every single time that we uh, go into a new meeting um, just because there's so many more players to cover. And Oftentimes I go through, I watch all of these players from all of the regions uh, one or two times. Um, and then I, I base my own opinion off of that. But then our regional scouts are watching those players, obviously a lot more than I even get to. Uh, so I always, you know, en enjoy their input on certain prospects. And yeah, then we go into draft meetings and it's just a big argument fest and no one's really happy at all with where their players are or who they champion and who they really don't like. And it gets to a mess, but I think at the end of the day, we're all, we're all pretty happy with where each player ends up um, to an extent. And it's always fun to just kind of get together and do a zoom and rank prospects. I find in management, if everyone's upset or not quite happy, then you've done your job <laughs> and I, it sounds funny to say but if one person's getting everything they want then everybody's pissed off but if everyone gets a little bit of what they want no one's really that happy yeah exactly and that's my goal is management right. <laughs> I, I will i like crushing the spirits of my troops yeah oh i i argue heavily against some people sometimes i end up right and uh, I, I don't let them uh, live that down if I am. And uh, if I'm wrong, I just hope that they go easy on me and I'll admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> From time to time. From time to time. Uh, so when you guys are putting your list together, is there any specific skill sets you're looking for? Or are you just in general uh, looking to see where these players are in their games? Or do you put a weight on what other what NHL scouts say to you? Um, for me, like a, a large part of it is the athleticism of prospects. Like 
when I'm trying to project how good a player can be, not just now, but where they can be in five years, um, athleticism is something I base a lot of my scouting off of. Like you have to have very quick, like, like movements. Uh, I know speed is kind of the name of the game now. Uh, not necessarily just because you're fast or you a good player. It's a combination of a lot of things. But for me, I, I put a lot of weight on athleticism because that can carry a prospect, but they also have to be smart. Um, we'll probably get into this later on with, with some questions, but there's a certain prospect who's regarded very highly. And I think they've got all the athleticism in the world. They just don't really have the IQ to push them to that next level. And I've received some pushback on, on those comments, but uh, I still stand by that. Yeah. And, and I don't disagree with you on that. I do agree that, that um, the athleticism portion does factor in long-term. Uh, I've seen that over the years being a factor, like a major factor, not just the IQ, but that right. ability to, you know, the natural athlete, that kind of focus. I, I do agree that that's a big, big portion of projection of a player. Right. Now you look at last year's list that you put together and at the top of the list, it is fairly close to what happened. You had Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, Simon Nemich, David Yurisek, and Yuri Slavkovsky, one through five. And that's pretty much what the, the top five were. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of differences there with the Canadians going with Slavkovsky versus Wright. But I don't see anything in your list that really throws anything off. Uh, they all look solid. Uh, even You even nailed Frank, uh, Frank Nazar at 13 despite a trade. So yeah, you, you gotta give, gotta give some uh, props to your team for doing that and doing it the right way. Now we'll, we'll switch over to the 2023 draft, which is what everybody who's going to be watching and listening to this are really right. focused on, especially the Habs fans, because they have this pipe dream that they're going to win first overall again. And I mean, I hope they're right. Yeah. But, but on the off chance that they're not the winners, there's a lot of other players. There are. And we're lo I'm looking at this uh, this uh, draft class, and I'm seeing quite a bit of depth. What do you see with the depth of this class? Uh, the depth for me is very, very strong for about the first three quarters of the first round to even the full first round before it starts to really fizzle out into averageness. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I just think you, you have to really put a lot of weight on the first round this year. So it's Habs fans should be happy with that because now you have two first round picks and really you can't ask for anything much better besides three first round picks for this year. Um, I, I think especially if both picks end up being in the top 16, you are getting some star sampled players. Now, now I know the Canadians are, are really pushing to get a third first round pick. Um, whether they get it or not, we'll see. Uh, with everything that's been going on with the injury front. But let's pretend like they get one. 
somewhere between 24 and 32 near at the end of the first round because only the good teams are going to trade away a pick. Like, right. let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Canadians holding a third pick, I'm pretty sure they're going to be focusing in on a goaltender because their system is lacking in that right. depth there. So what goalies are available and which ones do you think are more likely to reach that starter potential? So I've, I've kind of started saying uh, as of recently that you really can't go wrong with the first four goaltenders. And I think the first four are um, far ahead of any others. Uh, obviously like a five and six would be like Dybul and Valley. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, these four goaltenders in any order could fall in that 24 to 32 range or second round material. And I think especially when the draft starts to fizzle out of amazing top end talent and starts to go into averageness, you should be grabbing one of these goaltenders. Um, Horabel's always kind of been listed up there. Obviously a six foot six frame. He's huge. Uh, He started off really hot with Omaha. He's probably started to slow down a little bit. Um, it worries me when goaltenders, especially in North America, start to push below the 0.900 mark. Um, so I am really falling in love with one goaltender in specific, and that's one who was uh, starting with the U.S. at the World Juniors as a draft eligible, and that's Trey Augustine. I think his athleticism is fantastic for a goaltender, just something I love. I've always had him in the top three, really. Um, but I think as of late, I'm starting to push him in, like, especially when you go to the world juniors as a goaltender, who's a draft eligible, not something very common. And you end up having the best performance, uh, of most goaltenders there. Really. I just think that's extremely important for a kid that age to do so, uh, obviously shows a lot of poise as well, which I consider a high trait in goaltenders. So Augustine would meet, would be my go-to goalie guy for the Habs. Uh, at that spot in the draft. Now, I know he's 17. He's a fairly young 17. He's a February birth date. So um, when we're, so he should be 18 just before the draft, but nonetheless, you're right. He he was 17 at the world juniors. A lot of fans are just going to look at the hockey DB and say, well, he gave up eight goals in the last game. La 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 la. If they watched the game, they would have a different opinion because that game was beyond wide open. I don't think even the defenseman back-checked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's tough to look at a game and goes, oh, he gave up eight goals in this game. But at the same time, I mean, that's, that's junior hockey, right? I mean, I think someone even uh, put out some tweets last night showing a 9-1 win in the Quebec League and like a 13-2 win in the Western League. Sometimes scores get like that, and sometimes it's your best goalies who end up giving that up. Um, I think, you know, if you're looking at Hockey DB and you go, he gave up eight goals, look at the rest of his stats on Hockey DB. Like, it, more than just one game. So I think it's very important to look. He's had a pretty consistent track record uh, dating back since the start of the season. So I like that. And it's always good to have some adversity, yeah. too, as a goaltender uh, to yeah. face some blowout action um, once in a while just to kind of keep your head. Okay. Yeah. I need to keep getting better. Now in talking to his teammates uh, after that tournament, 
uh, I found that the uh, every one of them to a man were apologizing to openly saying that she we're so sorry for what we we left them out to dry. There were some that were actually in tears uh, because they won't get to play with them anymore. They've aged out. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, Red uh, Red Savage absolutely adores this kid. He thinks he's the greatest goal he's ever seen. Now, obviously, teammates, friends, they'll color it a little bit. But I'm looking at his size. And in speaking to him, he he's a good-sized kid for a 17-year-old. But I'm wondering how much more he'll grow. Because goaltenders, the, the prototype now is not the six-foot goalie. It's more the six-six goalie. So how much does size factor in for you? I don't necessarily consider size a massive factor. Now, it, it rings way more importance the, the smaller a goalie is. Um, for me, I don't think there's a good chance that I ever rank like a five foot nine goaltender. Um, 5'10", and I know it, it sounds weird because like, oh, well, you won't rank a 5'9", but you'll rank a 5'10". Like that's an inch. That's that's a tiny amount when you really think about it. But I just think like for me, five foot ten is kind of the standard of you have to be at least that to be a contending goaltender, even if you're a backup, which I'll rank those guys in, in my late rounds, no problem. Uh for me, when you're at like six one, that's really when it's like now it doesn't matter. Six one to six six, it's all kind of the same thing. Uh once again, I kind of base a lot of it off of athleticism. You could be 6'6", but not as mobile, not as active uh, as a 6'1 goaltender. Um, obviously, if we're talking the same athleticism, the same mobility, yeah, I'm probably going to go for the 6'6 guy over the 6'1". But it comes down to a lot more than just size. Now, you, you mentioned uh, the depth of the draft and uh, going out of your way to uh, after the big the big names are gone to start picking off these goaltenders because they provide a little bit more value. But what about goalies from the world juniors, such as Adam Gayen or Thomas Chanik? They're back in the draft. Do you expect them to go in the top 90 or are they more because they're overage a little bit later? We always see one overage goaltender uh, kind of be a bit of a surprise pick, especially when scouts really love a goaltender. Um, they will take a massive swing on it. I know Ottawa's done it. Uh, they've taken goaltenders who aren't ranked at all anywhere, um, who are only playing U18 leagues, uh, not even in the U20s. But I, I think both of them will certainly get drafted. I would say one of them uh, will likely be a surprise pick. I could see a team taking a swing in the 40s to 60 range on one of them. Okay. And with the Canadians clearly being a Canadian centric podcast and having 11 draft picks, what is your, just a, a wild guess, you know, this is not a, we're, we're putting an over under how many goalies do you think they're going to get? I, I'm guessing more than two, but what, what is your guess? Uh, I'm not a big fan of taking more than two goaltenders in any given draft. I think if you're in desperate need for a goalie, uh, yeah, stick with two, but there will be other drafts. Um, next year looks pretty decent for goalies too, even a first-round candidate. But I think if you're desperate for goalies, I would say 
um, stick stick to two. I think other than that, you're kind of wasting uh, some picks shooting shooting for the stars, especially because goalies are already very tough to gauge. So you're really taking a gamble when you start to take more than two. Before we move on from goalies, I wanted to just go back to Trey Augustine real quickly. Uh, he is projected to be a middle of the second round pick uh, based on <laughs> this, the sheer depth of this this draft. I mean, if it was last year, he'd probably be a top 15 pick. But how much weight would do you put on the added time he's going to have at the NCAA as he's a Michigan State University uh, uh, he signee? Right. I always put a little bit uh, of emphasis on how much room a prospect has to develop. Um, like being an NCAA, like you've got a couple more years to go. The NCAA is really good at at cooling players down, I think. Like not in a bad way, just kind of getting them more poised, getting them more well-rounded. And I think for goalies, that's uh, specifically impressive. And the NCAA in the recent couple of years has done a great job at developing goaltenders. There are even some who have been undrafted, looked horrible in their draft year, and they're putting up good numbers. So I would think Augustine going to the NCAA, there will be some emphasis, especially amongst NHL scouts who are going to see, okay, he's got a couple of years. He knows where he's going. Um, we can we can take him when he's ready, but we'll, we know that he'll be safe with an NCAA team. Fair enough. Uh, all right, so moving on from goaltenders, I'm looking at the list and – it's a wide open field after clearly after the first three or four picks, it becomes completely wide open and we just don't know who's going to go where. Uh, but who do you think is going to be a slider in this draft in the first round, at least? Um, the first two I can really think of are Braden Yeager. I think he's probably started to slide down a little bit and I think it's, more so coming from a place of we just expected more this season. Uh, this was a guy who was almost a surefire bet at reaching 100-plus points in the WHL this year, and he has not been that. Um, mix that with some lackluster defensive play and overall laziness, I think that's really going to hurt his draft stock. Um, however, for me, he'll still stay fairly high. Um I'm not going to go into too many details or diss on certain teams for that regard, but there are junior programs in the country that tend not to do so well at rounding out a prospect. And I think even if he was traded or whatever, I think it could look better for Jaeger. So I still see him as a top 10, but teams are much, much different than that. Um, the only other one I can really see falling, especially outside of the top 10 is Zach Benson, just because he's undersized. It's about five foot nine, but for me, he's in that third tier of the third and fourth best players. Uh, because I think if you're taken by best player available, I don't care if he's five foot nine, he is a highlight machine and he's really been picking up lately in the WHL which is not an easy league to score in, first of all. But to show that back uh, second half of the year with a strong start, yeah, I think 
Benson should stay up there. He shouldn't fall, but I could see teams kind of looking at a five nine height and thinking, oh, maybe we go for the six two kid. And yeah, I mean, just looking at Brandon Yeager, he he's on a team that is completely, or sorry, not Yeager, but Benson. Uh, sorry, he's on a team that is veteran laden, and he's still probably one of the best players on his lineup. Right. But uh, I don't know. It's I don't know if it's the size or the fact that he is a playmaking winger that could cause that. Yeah, I mean, I just think like when when you're watching him, going back to the athleticism, like this kid is fast. He can change angles on a dime. Uh, fantastic skater, great with his hands. But the puck also seems to follow him around. Like he's kind of always involved in the play a little bit, even when he's not putting up points. And I just think when you're watching the second half of the year, like there's no denying that there is a reason why he only trails Connor Bedard in scoring in that league at this time. Which is saying quite a bit. I mean, it's not like Bedard is a, a slouch in the point production department. Now, um, I'm looking at the list and I've seen names like Crystal and and more being thrown around, but there's one that I look at Mitchkov and I wonder how much will that kid slide because of the fact that he's Russian and they can't see him live. Right. So, yeah, I actually, I, I still have him in the top 10 and that's the one player that I said at the start. Um, obviously, yeah. the pure athleticism is incredible with him. Um, you won't find many players that are that athletic in a draft, which is really nice. And it shows that he has great potential for the future. And obviously the trade to different KHL teams, he's really starting to pick up points in one of the strongest uh, professional leagues in the world. However, I still see a lack of offensive IQ at times. Defensively is not great, but even just offensively, if I, if I take away the defensive aspect of the game, um, he doesn't do a good job at scanning for passing lanes. Um, he also takes away a lot of opportunities um, himself by his positioning. I think he plays a lot on the perimeter. Um, his highlights look good, but there's also a lot of ugly moments in uh, kind of game by game that I think gets overlooked, but it's kind of been the same problem for a few years now. So I sometimes question okay, very high upside, but does he reach that upside? Kind of like a, uh, a Nail Yakupov situation. Similar. I think Mitchkov will still be... He is a bit of a boomer bust pick. I think strays more on the boom side right now, but there still is that risk that I'm concerned about, uh, especially when he's under contract in the KHL for a few years. Um we're talking about a guy who could really struggle and just decide to send it home. So I do think he's he's definitely going to slide. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if a team says, you know what? We don't really mind waiting. And I think there are probably a couple of teams inside of the top 10 picking this year uh, that could say that just because they already have strong prospect pools that well, he'll be joining us when everyone else is around this age too, and that's fine with us. 
Breaking news. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From the beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code UNFILTERED20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. Say say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. That brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologically tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's Beard Oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making your look extra fine. Tap off the kit with the Beard Bomb, a uh, pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. Manscaped Beer Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Now, who out of this group that you've been watching is your your draft gem? Like this kid that'll probably get picked a little bit later, but uh, that where he's picked is an intense value. Right. So Zach Benson would reach that list just in case he slips. Um, The other player that I have in the same tier as Zach Benson and at my third overall spot right now, uh, he won't slide too much. I think no matter what, he's going to be going in the top 10, but I still think this is a kid who should be taken in the top five is Will Smith. Um, I was a bit harsh on him at the start of the year with my rankings. He was a bit lower and, Pretty close to the midpoint in the season, I really started to see some of the growth. And I think, okay, he's got size. He's got good athleticism. Uh, His positioning is incredible. He has a lot of superstar traits to his game. Like, he's a great shooter as well. Underrated playmaker. I just think Will Smith is, like, one of the most total packages that you could take in this draft. So I would hate to see him slip outside of the top uh, five, really. Uh, Other than that, I really like Oliver Bunk defenseman with the London Knights. Uh, He's still technically a rookie in the OHL, so his point totals look great. London is really trusting him, 
giving him plenty of minutes to play in a night. Uh, for a rookie defenseman to kind of get that love and even be on Team Canada's Holenka team, uh, I think he's kind of going under the radar, especially for a defenseman who can play both sides of the ice. And even if you look at the track record of the London Knights developing is, yeah, I'm expecting this kid to look even better next year and even better the year after that. I know London will take their time at getting this kid uh, to the most professional standard that they can get him to be. And the last one I have is another defenseman who I've championed since the Holinka is Gavin McCarthy from um, Muskegon of the USHL. And he is one of those total packages as well. Is the upside fully there? I'm not sure. I think he's probably going to be a bottom four defenseman, but that's fine with me, especially when you're picking at those stages where he's ranked in the draft. Uh, he's great on both ends of the puck. I mean, Watching the Holinka, I don't think there was a defenseman for the U.S. who controlled the defensive zone as much as he did. He was very physical. He pushed to the outside constantly. He never really gave away the middle to anyone. Uh, and he just won a lot of puck battles, and he was noticeable right from the start of the season. It also helps that his point totals have been great with Muskegon, showing that he can be an offensive defenseman if he's needed to be. Yeah, and being a right-handed defenseman, will really help his positioning and the fact that he's going to be going to Boston university, which right. is an amazing program. And uh, for the Canadians fans who are listening or watching, that means he's going to probably play on a, on a pairing with uh, the next coming Lane Hudson. Right. <laughs> that would be <laughs> a sight to see. I think that would be really good because I do really like Lane Hudson. I admittedly had him, decently low i still had him above where the canadians picked him so still got a steal out of him i did have him outside of my first just because of the height and i think you know height does play a factor for defensemen especially when it comes to being physical um pushing guys to the outside you you really have to be demanding of space defensively and hudson's obviously grown since then and that's going to help him a lot but being on a pairing with gavin mccarthy would be a very nice match because McCarthy can take all the bruising, bumping, all of that, while Hudson can be the one to kind of make the play outside of the zone or even get set up in the offensive zone. I think that would be a great pairing. And honestly, taking McCarthy when you have Hudson in your system wouldn't be such a bad pick. <laughs> I think it, it kind of fits with what NHL teams are looking for nowadays, and that is the mobile uh, offensively gifted type of defenseman, the guy that can make that pass, the guy that can skate. They're not necessarily looking for the big bruiser type. If they can get one with the skill set, they'll do it. But those are fairly rare. Like I'm looking at the draft class and I've watched uh, Reinbacher quite a bit. And while he has that size and he has the ability to play a physical game, he's not that kind of player either. He's like all the, like a lot of the other ones where he relies more on his mobility than he does his size. Right. I agree. So with that. that the, uh, the draft class itself with the defense, I am excited to see where they all fall because this draft is clearly forward heavy. Definitely. And I think if teams are doing their homework and I would advise GMs to really take swings on forwards, especially in the top 
two rounds of this draft because next year we're going to see a ton of defensemen where it is just a free pick fest. So if any team is really looking for defensemen and they're going, ah, maybe we should swing on this guy even though he's lower on our list, don't. You can wait one year and you will have plenty of options next year. Now, on that, who do you see as a possible late round steal? Someone that kind of slides out of that top hundred and like it, it just you look at it and say, what the hell happened here? Because now he's going to be an NHL player in a year or two. Right. Um, I'm not sure about a year or two. I have a lot of really like high upside players that I think a couple years down the road. Yeah, maybe one or two years um, of juniors are playing in Europe, come over to the AHL and then step into the NHL and be like, whoa, where did this guy come from? Um, as I told you before this meeting, I have quite a few names for a late round steal. I really champion these guys. Uh, so we'll start with the defenseman of Tristan Bertucci out of Flint. And I think since the start of the year in my second rankings in October, I actually had him at 32. He's fallen a bit from that spot because I've come to realize how strong this class really is. But I still think for defensemen, this guy's great. Um, he's six foot two, but undersized in the weight department. Like he can add on some strength still. Uh, I think he has a really good defensive stick, but he can also be an offensive defenseman when he needs to be. Uh, a bit inconsistent throughout the year and in my viewings, but I still think in the later rounds, this is a guy that I would certainly put a target on. Um, next up is just a bunch of forwards, really. So Jesse Nurmi, I've been very high on throughout the year. No one really sees him as a first rounder. I'm starting to come off that boat a little bit. I still see him at the end of the first, just because he's made such massive strides from last year. Uh, he's kind of carrying his U20 finish team. Uh, a lot of people have said, oh, he's really putting points up against weaker teams, though. Well, at the start of the year, yes. And albeit he's not putting up as many points against the strong teams. But now that they're getting towards the end of the season, he's starting to play the strong teams. He's still becoming a pretty consistent player, getting 20 minutes a night as well. A uh, couple of Liga call-ups. I just see a guy who has really fun mechanics. I think there's a lot to work on with him still. But I think that's one of the players that a couple years down the road could be something special. Um, he has entertaining aspects to his game. Uh, wildly inconsistent, but hey, let's say he kind of fixes up these consistencies and I think he'll be a fine player. Um, some other ones from the OHL, a lot of OHL fans would know these two probably. Cooper Foster of Ottawa, uh, kind of a rookie in the OHL this year, and he's been he's been fine. He's been very fine as a rookie, and the coaches have even said he's very easy to coach. Um, once he simplifies his game, doesn't try to do too much, he starts putting up the points. Uh, I see someone who offers a lot of speed down the wing as well. I really like Cooper Foster. Um, Nick Lardis, who recently got traded, I've always been a bit of a fan with him. I've left him off my rankings because he had really slow season. Uh, then he got traded and he's been getting points galore. I think this is an undersized guy who can really shoot the puck and can be, in a couple of years once he adds on weight, one of those players that you kind of rely on in the offensive zone. Someone can bring it in, get it set up, and then you're looking for Lardis. Uh, my last one would probably be Cam Squires uh, out in the QMJHL. 
He's someone that I've been a fan of since the start of the season. Um, really interesting skating is I think he has a lot of speed. He just needs to add on that strength. And I think he's an underrated shooter as well. So I'm really excited to see what he's like in a couple of years. I think that's someone who I would target in the second round, but will probably fall out of the top 100 even. Oh, I can't hear you. Apologies. Um, my mistake. Sorry about that. Uh, so the Canadians, if they do end up with that third first round pick, I'm looking at your draft rankings that you have set up here from recruits. And <clears throat> I'm looking at a guy from Sudbury that you have on the list. And that's Quentin Musty. Now he's, he's got size, he's got speed. He's got some decent point totals, but I've heard a lot of, a lot of people talk about the downside on him is that he doesn't think the game as well as he should. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a decently fair argument. And it's funny enough because when I wrote out my list, uh, Musty was someone who I said the Montreal Canadiens should maybe target at the end of the first. Um, obviously, you guys have Zekic who can really be that nitty-gritty player. And he's on the back end. And obviously, you guys have some scrummy guys at the front. But I think Musty is someone to take um, especially if you have a third first uh, round pick because he will be in their faces. Uh, does he think the game at a necessarily high level? I don't think so, but lately it's starting to be more apparent that he can kind of be that guy to slow down the play if he needs to. Um, he doesn't need to do everything himself. He can be one of those guys that's relied on offensively. And I think Musty's one of those guys that just he might pick up a couple of penalties for you guys, but he's going to get under opponent's skin. And from what I've heard, especially being in Sudbury, is Musty is extremely coachable. The coaches there love him. They say he is a great kid. And I think that's really important. When you have a kid like that who can be so uh, pro-attitude off the ice, but on the ice he can really bring some antics and you know, really get to opponent's faces. I really actually value that. So I would love for him to go on the late first. He kind of has that, uh, that Kachuk style agitator. Definitely does. He likes, yeah. he likes to mix it up. Oh yeah. Like he's, he's a dual threat is he can threaten the other team by making them very angry. Yeah. He might pick up a penalty, but you just know he's, he's getting under their skin. Um, but he's also one of those guys who can, shoot the lights out when the time comes for him. And this is a kid who he's at the end of the first round on pretty much all the different rankings. And you look at his, his skill level, he could project to be a second line winger that you can pick up at the end of a first round. That Must that kind of points to the depth. That musty. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see I see like middle six potential is yeah. I think he's really starting to become one of those guys who can be relied on offensively instead of the one kind of driving the play, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um Musty obviously has great hands as well. My only thing is he's already got like NHL level size, so it's hard to add on muscle and where does he go from here? 
I think that's a guy who would probably step into a lineup uh, earlier than a lot of other players that may take time, but I don't really see a problem with that. I think Musty is, yeah, there's, there's definitely room for him to be a second line winger. I project him probably more as a third line, but could easily make room on the power play for him or just someone that you kind of throw out there. Like we, yeah, let's bug our opponents a little bit. He's an important polarizing player, no matter what. So I've, I've kind of, guided you a little bit on goaltenders and on on a winger who do you see as a possible steal for the canadians in the late first round uh the late first round uh is another player kind of like musty but he'd probably take more time and that's callan lind so he's probably about 6 1 150 something pounds but he's going to rack up 100 penalty minutes this year in the whl um i think that's someone who's a little bit of an agitator there is some really high value skills with him though. Um, is he as easy to project as musty? Probably not, but does that mean that he has some higher upside that we haven't seen yet? I think so. Uh, nearing a point per game. He's, he's a really quick player, um, kind of a dual threat. He can shoot the puck or he can be a playmaking guy if he needs to be, but I see a player with great athleticism and he's an agitator. So I would love for the Habs to pick him up just because it, it'd be fun to have a team um, that has a lot of guys who can bring a physical side to the game. Uh, for defense, I had Augustine for goalies there. Uh, I've already said about Bonk. I think Dragicevic would be a fun one. And I also think Caden Price would be great because he's fine on both sides of the ice and can be a very reliable first pass guy. What about uh what about other defenders? There's there's a lot of need for defense at the at the end of uh the first early second round. Is there anyone there that the Canadians can jump up for? Yeah, someone like Rhinebacker if he falls, someone like Axelson and Pelica if he falls. I think teams are probably starting to look at them in the top 15. And I think Sandin Pelica would be a fantastic addition to Montreal uh, in the top 15. For the late first to second, a guy that I'm really starting to come around on is Andrew Strathman out of the USHL. Uh, obviously a little bit undersized. I'm not sure if Montreal really needs another smaller defenseman. He's only about 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, uh, but he's great at rushing the puck. I mean, I think there's a lot of upside for him, especially going the NCAA route where you have multiple years to develop. Uh, Strathman could be a really fun defensive prospect in a long time. Yeah, um, all right. And now moving from there, I'm looking at the top 10. And who do you think is the likeliest Canadians pick? And who do you think would be the best value? Is it is it Will Smith? Is it trading up? Like, What, what could it be? Well, taking a look at who the Habs have in their prospect pool, I'd probably caution to not take a center if you project them as a center. Obviously, you can take guys who are playing center now who, yeah, I'm going to throw them on the wing in a couple of years' time. But for the most part in the top 10, the Habs are kind of one of those teams that I said, they'd be fine with Mitchkov. Like, your prospect system is fantastic. So are you guys in dire need right now to add? Not necessarily. So if Mitchkov slips, let's say you guys have a pick at six or seven and Mitchkov's there, 
uh, why not take a swinger on him, right? I mean, three years time, you're not really missing out on those three years. And if he ends up booming, that's going to be a great addition to you guys. You'll have two very fantastic wing or scoring wingers in Caulfield and Mitchkov, uh, which I think will add a lot. Other players that might slip down, uh, obviously we said earlier, Benson getting to you guys would be incredible. I don't really care if he's five foot nine. That is a human highlight reel. Um, other than that, Jagger would be a great scoring winger once he finds his touch again. And the last one that I put in the top 10, who I think would be a lot of fun for you guys, and Habs fans would probably like me saying this, is I actually kind of see him as a Stutzel light, uh, which is Edward Sale. I think he'd be a lot of fun, especially on the wing from Montreal. Um, he's He's someone who can really drive the play. I think that was especially evident at the Holenka, and he's kind of continued it even in the World Juniors, where this is a guy who will blow the zone every time for you with the puck. And he's someone who can, when a lane comes up, he will take the pass. Uh, if the shot is there, he can really dazzle you with that. I think he's also a player who's a bit undersized uh, weight-wise. So I think you're looking at a guy who, once he puts on even more muscle, he can be that much more dominant. And he's one of the best skaters in the draft, which you love to see it. Yeah, it, it you could see in the uh, the World Juniors that the confidence that he needs to play at wasn't quite where it where it should be, because he's deferring quite a bit to the older players. Being the youngest player on the roster, on a team filled with nineteen year olds, right? You could see that he was kind of deferring a bit, even though it was probably the strongest team at the tournament. Yeah, I I really liked that Czech squad. Um, Chalet being there, he actually, he did get in trouble from the coaches quite a bit, which I know could probably deter some teams, but at the end of the day, it's a 17 year old, like you said, playing in a predominantly 19 year old tournament. Uh, it's hard to be that well-rounded at 17. And I wouldn't even argue that being well-rounded is necessarily this great gift that we should be over-analyzing, uh, because he's got years to develop. He's already underweight. So he's going to have to be putting on some muscle. You're going to have to buy a few years with him. I think he'll really start to look way more professional in the next one to two years. And I think that's where Habs fans would love to have him. I think that's that's a guy who, if I'm looking outside of the top five, someone who has first-line potential, that's kind of a guy that I'd target. Well, with the fact that the Canadians are looking at possibly two top 10 picks. I mean, depends how how much Florida tanks. And uh, I know that uh, I know the Canadians fans are, are watching uh, the Panthers pretty closely and really hoping for failure <laughs> for obvious reasons. But even if he's a top 15, if he's still there, uh, I wouldn't, I would think that he'd be the guy they go for. I think that's definitely a guy to target, especially for Montreal. Um, being the team that they are, I think they kind of need someone who can add a little bit of razzle-dazzle uh, to the team. You guys have Caulfield. He's a fantastic shooter. Uh, Nick Suzuki is a fantastic two-way centerman. If a couple of years' time you add someone who can play on the first line and kind of be the dangler who feeds Caulfield or who feeds Suzuki, I think Chalet would bring fantastic value for Montreal. 
be kind of odd to go to a the, the Chechen team when there's so many Slovakians that are still available. Right. <laughs> it's it's clear Montreal loves those Slovakians. Yeah, uh, they definitely do. There's a couple couple of them. Dvorsky is a really fun pick for this year. I think even Hanzik is really starting to uh, show what he can be. So I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal targets one of those two. Uh, Dvorsky, obviously, one of those guys who uh, you can throw on the wing, and he'll be a fine scorer, and he has some moves as well. Uh, I still do rank Chalet a bit higher, and I think that's probably who they would go for, just given they already have Masar and Slavkovsky. And I know it's fun to kind of add a bunch of players from one nation, but uh, yeah, they're it's similar. Um, other top 15 picks that I really think that they could go for, let's say Florida just misses the playoffs. Hey, you guys still have uh, a top 15 pick is I would even consider looking at um, another player out of the QMJHL and Gautier. I think at this point in the draft, let's say you guys take Chalet inside of the top 10. Now you're going to be looking for a forward who can shoot. And I think Gautier is one of those guys who, once you get set up offensively, that's someone you rely on. Uh, if you guys take a defenseman, Axel Sand and Pelica fits the Montreal system very well, I think. Um, Ryan Leonard, similar to Gautier, is one of those guys who you rely on when you get set up. Um, Barlow has a fantastic shot. And a player that I think has an underrated shot, who in a couple years' time, if they gain enough confidence in their shot, could really be a dangerous player is Andrew Cristal, who I see as a bit like Cole Perfetti. So some teams have kind of had him towards the end of the first, really. Um, but if I was Montreal, if I already have one pick under the belt and I'm, I'm wanting another forward, I would take a chance on Cristal. You you mentioned Gautier, and I think that that one really intrigues me for several reasons. One of them being that it would it would quiet the critics because every year, every year, we we all all we hear is they didn't pick enough francophones. They didn't pick this guy. They didn't pick that guy. So if they get someone from Quebec with uh, NHL bloodlines, because his father Denis played in the NHL, and he's got that that upside, and he's played with Joshua Roy, I mean, there's nothing they could bitch about. <laughs> on uh, on RDS or TVA. Yeah, I think Gautier is one of those players that um, it make the fan base happy, but I also don't necessarily think it's a swing. Um, yeah. As we saw at the Holinka, like Gautier was really relied on to score goals for Canada, and I think he did uh, a fine job. I think he has a really good shot, and he's a bit of a dual threat in that sense, where he's so tricky to find for defensemen i think that's what really makes him like i i really think montreal would love to take him because like you said he's from quebec um i think it would add a feeling of comfort for him to know he's he's staying home pretty much to play i really don't think you could go wrong with that pick in the top 15 but i know some other teams are quite high on gautier so yeah we'll see <laughs> Yeah, because he was he was over a goal per game during the Holinka, I believe. I believe so. And in watching him play in Sherbrooke in the queue, um, 
I can attest to the fact that this kid loves to shoot anytime the puck's on his stick and he's anywhere near the net, the puck's on net. It's, it's an impressive skill. And I'm sure it's something that, uh, his cousin Julian would love to, uh, to share with him if he were ever to play together mm-hmm. in Montreal. And that again would quiet some of the critics. I think having that young Francophone local kid that they can crap on later is exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Now that pretty much covers everything that, uh, I brought up with you prior to recording, uh, on this draft is there any anything you'd love to sh- to bring up um well i will be doing a, another draft guide with the help of my team and some friends outside of my team by the end of the year so i'd recommend people check that out in the coming months it probably won't drop until june but uh i'm about to start getting on that project uh, last year, I really started it in May, and I went, whoa, I uh, didn't realize how much time this would take up. I should probably start earlier next year. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Other than that, I hope the Habs have a great draft. I mean, having that many picks, and I do, I like to kind of have this point system after the draft every year where I rank each team's draft for the amount of picks they had, the value that they brought, uh, potential NHL talent potential star talent. I do this little point system. And last year's draft was very good for Montreal, as in they were the first place finishers um, for the total value that they got. So it's exciting to see, knowing that you have 11 picks, with the scouting staff that you do, um, on what players you can nail, especially in a draft this strong. It's definitely a good year to be a Habs fan. Yeah, they uh, Habs fans do have something to look forward to, and uh, I know I'm going to enjoy watching this draft in Nashville this year. Uh, just let my my listeners and our our viewers know exactly where they can find that draft guide. Yeah, you can find it on RecruitScouting.com. Um, I did one last year. You can go and check on it for all of the players that I wrote on, and I'll be doing one this year on the same website. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at NHL Chiasson, C-H-I-A-S-S-O-N. And yeah, hopefully uh, have some new new people checking out content. <laughs> well, Gavin, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, loved, I loved having you here. I loved picking your brain on these different prospects. And there's so much more that we could have gotten into. This draft is extremely interesting. There's so much to get into with it. So we just kind of skimmed the surface. So I really, I want to thank you for coming here and talking about it. And I want to really emphasize to my listeners to re- go check this out. There's a lot to do with the draft and Gavin and your team. You guys really nail a lot of really great content. Uh, I love some, I've loved reading some of the work that's already come out and I'm looking forward to the, the new stuff soon. Yeah. And of course I love plugging uh, people that go to my alma mater. Go V's. <laughs> uh, i mean I, i'm not gonna lie i'm a bit of a homer when it comes to that stuff so uh there you go yeah well it's, it's been fun i think uh you know later on i'll have an even better sense of these players towards the end of the year 
the U18s are coming up, playoffs are coming up. And I think by the end of the year, I just, I grind out so much on, on each player that I think, you know, there's going to be some that really start to fall and some that really start to rise. So it'll be interesting to, to see and figure out uh, a lot about these prospects by the end of the year. And again, thank you for so much for coming on and I appreciate all that you've given us and I'm looking forward to having you back on again soon. And for my listeners, remember, uh, if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.